بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم يا عظيم السلطان يا قديم الإحسان يا دائم النعم يا كثير الجود يا واسع العطاء يا خفي اللطف يا جميل الصنع يا حليم العجل صل يا ربي على سيدنا محمد وآله وسلم ورضان الصحابة أجمعين اللهم لك الحمد شكرا ولك المن فضلا وأنت ربنا حقا ونحن عبيدك رقا وأنت لم تزن ذلك أهلا يا ميسر كل عسير ويا جابر كل كسير ويا صاحب كل فريد ويا مغني كل فقير ويا مقوي كل ضعيف ويا مأمن كل مخيف يسر علينا كل عسير فتيسير العسير عليك يسير اللهم يا من لا يحتاج إلى البيان والتفسير حاجاتنا كثير وأنت عالم بها وخبير اللهم من يخاف منك وخاف من خاف منك وأخاف من من لا يخاف منك اللهم بحق ما يخاف منك نجنا من من لا يخاف منك اللهم بحق سيدنا محمد أحرسنا بعينك التي لا تنام وكنفنا بكنفك الذي لا يرام ورحمنا بقدرتك علينا فلا نهلك وأنت ثقتنا ورجاؤنا وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم والحمد لله رب العالمين عدد خلقه ورضا نفسه وزنة عرشه ومداد كلماته اللهم إنا نسألك زيادة في الدين وبركة في العمر وصحة في الجسد وسانة في الرزق وتبدأ قبل الموت وشهادة عند الموت مغفرة بعد الموت وعفوا عند الحساب وأمان من الأذاب ونصيبا من الجنة رزقنا النظر إلى وجهك الكريم وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولاه Welcome everybody to the Nothing But Facts Sufina Saadi Nothing But Facts live stream where we're on episode number 62. And us, have we resolved episode 60? Why they. I made it public again. It's public again. Okay, good. Someone might have reported it. Yeah, of course, Qom Lut reported it. Yeah. Right? You can never say anything about Qom Lut these days. YouTube, I want you to love Qom Lut. Okay. Uh, so, our sponsors number one, patreon.com. By your sponsorship and your support, we're able to do this stuff. We're able to do amazing things like buying this mic, right? And other amazing things. These headphones, right? Other amazing things, okay? And and having people like the Wizard of Oz on our team. And Noah. And Noah Syndergaard on our team. I mean, could you fix this curtain? It's like messed up. And having, we got Noah on the team from Ohio. The guy, he does stuff from Ohio. And then we got Ryan. And today we got a big pharmacist, Ahmed, okay? So uh, that's the first thing, patreon.com. Backslash Safina Society is how you're going to give us support. That's number one. Numero dos. If you need books, you're going to go to MeccaBooks.com. Common sense tells you that. that you're, if you're going to get books, you need to get books for yourself. You need to go to MeccaBooks.com because they have a great set of books that are all judged by the scholars of Ahl Sunnah. Numero tres. Professors. One to one.com. Professors one to one. Everyone on YouTube is watching. 
Mr. Pharmacy, Mr. Viagra Salesman. <laughs> but he's learning how to move uh, curtains. Okay. Do you, how do you hold in a laugh when a guy comes in for Viagra? How do you hold that in? You put the mask on, say, I got a corona. How do you hold that ma- laugh? I'll be cracking up. <laughs> some point you get used to it oh it's it's it happens yeah. all the time yeah. you're kidding i was like just making fun of you i was just <laughs> making a joke i didn't think that people actually order this stuff no. they do yeah. wow you know my dad's joke about viagra did i tell you that so i take it all the time to calm down <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness all right so mecca books and then professors com. Professors1to1.com, these re- they're really, if you want to take SAT classes, you take it with them, okay? Uh, you take it with them because they're, they're really good. I've seen kids, subhanAllah, going from C's and D's to hundreds. I'm not going to tell you which kids, <laughs> okay? But hundreds, hundred after, like streaks of hundreds, hundred, 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 to the point of like, the teacher might think you're cheating, right? Make it reasonable. Get a 96. Get a 98, right? Not all 100, 100, 100. Teacher thinks you're treating. Yeah. Now, listen up. I got a question today, okay, about why is it Ahl-Sunnah they talk about Muawiyah? Okay. Why do you praise Muawiyah so much? Well, let me make it, just give you a quick summary before we get into the Shema'at of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Sayyidina Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan, uh, when the, the reason that it became such that he's praised on purpose and given this glowing commentary on purpose. Number one, first of all, he's a Sahabi. And the Quran has commanded us to respect all the Sahabi and has forgiven all of them. That's number one. Prophet wasallam said, do not speak ill of my Sahaba. That's number two. But number three, after the advent of the Shia, it was noted by the, by the, the scholars that there's some lenient. Le- there was leniency on Sayyid Muawiyah. People talk about Muawiyah all the time. Even in Nasa'i, the great Imam Nasa'i, Imam Nasa'i, he was a Persian. He moved to Syria. He had a hard time in Syria because he loved Ahl al-Bayt, right? And Syria, even till today, there's a little thing about Ahl al-Bayt there, right? Uh, but they had a thing to Ahl al-Bayt, is they kicked him out. They said, "You're a Shi'i, out." He ends up going to Egypt. Egypt, they love Ahl al-Bayt, so they welcomed him. But someone said, he wrote a book on the Fada'il of, of Ahl al-Bayt. Someone said, why don't you write a book about Fada'il of Ali? Okay? Uh, Fada'il of Muawiyah. He said, what am I going to write? The hadith the Prophet Sallallahu said, uh, may he never be satiated. This is a hadith in which it happened that the Prophet Sallallahu said, bring me Muawiyah, I need to write a letter. He was a scribe. The Prophet brought was always bring the young Sahaba in because you're guaranteeing your future essentially, right? So he used to, he had Muawiyah as a scribe. So the Sahabi went and he said, "Oh, Muawiyah is eating." Came back, he said, "Okay, let's let him finish his lunch. Go back, get me Muawiyah sometime later." He went back. So Muawiyah eating. He says, "Eating still after all this time, right?" So the Prophet said, "Said may he, may he never be satiated." Ever since then, said Maui, who's not satiated, always eating, always eating, always eating, right? Now, some people took that as a blame. Others took it as, a, as like a gift. May you always be having food to eat, right? Since you're eating and you're enjoying food so much, 
may you always have food to eat as a du'a for him. So it was, it was viewed in both ways, as a du'a upon him and as du'a for him. As a du'a upon him, the Prophet said, whenever I make du'a upon any of my companions, it's a kafara of their sins. So Imam al-Nasai said that. So point being is that early on, the Ahl sunnah were a bit lenient on things said about Sayyidina Muawiyah. What they realized is, once you knock down the domino of Sayyidina Muawiyah, it pretty much what will extend to Sayyidina Uthman. Well, who's his cousin or uncle? I think it's his uncle. Related some way, right? They're related in some way. We're going to say no man. Well, once you get say no man, you're going to get to say no Then say no and say Aisha. Okay? So uh, they realize it's a domino effect, so they started to call Sayyidina Muawiyah Sitru Sahaba. If you poke that domino, you're going to get everything else to go. So you cannot touch that domino. You cannot touch this Sahabi. And that's how it became a litmus test. If you respect Sayyidina Muawiyah, you're fine. You're good to go in terms of the Sahaba. But if you go there, there's no guarantee. You might continue going. Okay, And we have even from the Ahlul Sunnah who have this. Like the Ghumariyah. The Ghumaris. You heard about the Ghumaris? Right? The Ghumaris, they're Moroccan family. And they have like some clout. They're powerful family. They, they're, they're not Malikiyah or Asha'ira. They're Hadith scholars and they have Tashayyah. Right? And the Tashayyah, the early Tashayyah of Ahl Sunnah was, was Bid'ah Khafifa, in which it was like not really respecting Sayyidina Muawiyah, preferring Sayyidina uh, Ali and the Ahl Bayt over others. There was no cursing of Sahabas. It was like, but that's why when people say Bukhari has Shia, it wasn't the Shiaism that's a Bid'ah Mufassiqa, where they're actually cursing and believing that. Abu Bakr and Omar were cursed, Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Omar, and Sayyidina Aisha. No, it was bid'ah khafifa. It was just like expressions that were not appropriate. There was no cursing of Sahaba. There was no none of that. It was like just preference of Ahl al-Bayt in a way that was, seemed that they were also disres- not fully respecting certain other Sahabas. So that was the early tashayyah, which is called bid'ah khafifa. It's a bid'ah where you're not actually transgressing a major uh, explicit doctrine. So that's what it was. What it was. And so that's how Sayyidina Muawiyah became, he became a symbol for that reason. And that's where anytime that somebody wants to show the world what he's upon, he just makes that comment about Sayyidina Muawiyah, like some praiseworthy comment. Even just saying Sayyidina Muawiyah, that's enough. Mm-hmm. But in the same way that um, today, if you want to make it known where you uh, stand in politics. There's only a few things you have to say, right? Like, for example, you, whatever you say about abortion, we know pretty much 99% of the other stuff you're going to say by the one comment. So that's the idea of litmus tests. The litmus tests in society are actually, there's a sociological function to litmus tests, right? Because I, I can't ask you all your all these questions. I just need to give you, give, just give me one question. That's why Allah says in Surah Ali Imran, right away, uh, ayah number seven, speaks about the attributes, the mutashabihat, and says there are some people that have crookedness in their hearts, they follow them. What does it mean they follow the mutashabihat? They build their aqidah based upon the mutashabihat. That means you open one of these pamphlets, the first thing, God has feet, God has legs, God has shins, your God is sitting on a throne. He builds his aqidah on the mutashabihat. They have zayr in their hearts. And the others who do not do this, 
and who understand their true meaning, they're the ones who are rasikhuna fil ilm. So it's a litmus test. So I can't go and sit and ask every scholar, well, what's your aqidah on every point? But one, once I know about the mutashabihat, I know where you stand on that. Once I know about the, uh, the you, you, you say Sayyidina Ma'awiyah, I know where you stand on all the Sahaba on that. So that basically knocks out anthropom- uh, uh, like two-thirds of all the bid'ah and the heresy in Aqidah, just by two sentences, right? And then in the old days, it was the creation of the Qur'an was the issue. That would show us where do you stand on revelation and reason. So we have reason, but we don't take on um, Greek, uh, you know, these Greek ideas and overlay it upon our logic. The logic that we hold as Ahdus Sunnah is the innate logic. It's logic that is just pure logic that any human being in the world would recognize. Concept that you can't be pregnant and not pregnant at the same time, right? Law of contra- you can't contradict yourself and identity, meaning like a word has to have a meaning. You can't use a word in one respect and then use it in the and then that when I ask you what that word means, you you don't give me an answer. You have to give me an answer what the word means. It's like most of logic right there that you're going to need in your life any comments so, sometimes they call it like a dog whistle too right I think yep. if you're but like for example like if you're on Ahl-Sunnah Wal-Jama'ah yep. if you mention like Ibn Arabi for example mm-hmm. then everyone knows that you know like even if you don't say anything more than that yeah. then they know like okay because he's like the door to the Sawaf exactly if you don't go on a rant yeah yeah when you when you talk, or about like if someone that. mentions one of you know like say Bin Baz or one of these people, yeah. then you know that this is the this is who they support exactly, and this is the door to everyone else. So so human beings tend to need quickly to classify, and it's not classifying you like I'm passing a judgment on you yourself. I just need to know what you're offering, mm-hmm. right? Like what are you offering? So if I want to listen to your religious discourse or I'm not, right? So I just need to know what you're offering. So I think that's a fine that's an easy thing it makes life easier. Now I know. To what degree am I going to listen to? Let's say in the Madiki method. If someone goes on and carries on that Qabz is the right way. That's the first red flag. <laughs> right? It's, which is not to say it's not an opinion. It's an opinion. But what else are you going to say now? Let's ask you about the Mutashabihat. If you come in the Mutashabihat now and you're quoting something other than the Ash'ari position, now you've got two red flags. red card. You're not going to listen to him as a scholar of that right. subject. You tell nice stories, you give nice histories, wonderful, right? But on fiqh and aqidah, your, your claim to be a madiki is, is against what everyone else talks about when they say that word, madiki. So that's the, the concept and the idea. Right. Um, so like one thing I think, um, just before you get into the shama'il, yeah. like an example of this would be, you know, like why do people get so upset over wiping over the socks, for example? Yeah. When if you look, you know, through the past, you know, of our scholars, even the salaf, mm-hmm. many of them, they talk about this issue, right? I, if I remember correctly, Imam Tahawi talks about it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Imam Haddad also talks about it. The reason why is because if you open the door to that, then what else are you opening the door to? Yeah, because wiping over the socks today is not a sign that you're a hanbali. Right. It's a sign that you're a mulafiq. Yeah. is somebody well let me that's easy well that's easy that's easy. and by the way this not should not be offensive to people who like were trained and their first shiuch they taught them wiping on the socks mm-hmm. many shiuch were using hanbali fiqh without telling the people right? right so some of the elders so that nobody should be offended from the elders because we don't offend the elders uh, but as we know though it that's what it is though mm-hmm. so usually it comes with a package of 
the usul al-fiqh, as I'm telling you, I had lived with a guy, and he told me this in London. He said, take by the easiest of the madhabs. That was literally the usul that he was taught. <laughs> he was taught that. He was totally innocent by it, right? We say... Look, that's not correct. That's not the right way. To, that's not the way that the the ulama, the big major ulama, they don't prescribe fiqh like that. It comes with say bismillah and eat. So don't worry about zabiha has slaughtered. Forget machine in hand, slaughtered at all, right? right? Uh, say bismillah and eat. Uh, mortgages, qarada we said, right? I once asked a guy how he bought his house. He said with a fatwa. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, it's uh, open a Dunkin' Donuts and take out 10% of the profits because there might be some khanzir that you're selling pork, right? So that's a fatwa that they got. Open the Dunkin' Donuts so, so, and give away 10 But that's not the issue. You're also feeding the people the Najasa. Yeah. It's sinful for you to do it, kafir or otherwise, right? Uh, if you're as a human being, you're not allowed to feed him Najasa, right? The, 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 the hadith of the silk... There's a hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he gave Sayyidina Umar a silk garment after having prohibited silk. Uh-huh. And the Prophet oh, Sayyidina Umar questioned, how? He said, well, don't you have a brother who's not a Muslim? Okay, uh-huh. so silk is different. It's a different level of ruling than khanzir. Mm-hmm. Khanzir is in the Qur'an. Silk is from the Prophet ﷺ, which there's a reason for this. So the, the, the prohibition of silk is that silk is not as dangerous for the human being as khanzir. So for that reason, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, give it to your brother. So if you have, if I get a silk tie, if I get a silk uh, shirt, give it to my neighbor. But if I get a khanzir, you know, gift or wine, I'm not going to give it to my neighbor. That's najasa. It's in the Quran. It's very harmful for the human being, Muslim or kafir or otherwise. Whereas silk is haram, but the harm is not as much. You can pass it on. And you can't make qiyas on the exception, right? Thank you very much, this young man who studied Maliki fiqh. <laughs> we do not make, uh, Imam Malik said, he didn't, we do not make qiyas on the rukhsa. Therefore, Malik said, khuf, wiping on the khuf, was a rukhsa just for that khuf. You don't make qiyas now. Shafi'i do make qiyas. So they, they can do wiping on the waterproof socks. So if all you Shafi'i out there, so you can make dua for me when I tell you this, you go to Amazon and you get hydro skins. It's a sock this thick, not that thick. It's like pretty thick, but not that thick. Fits on your foot like a glove and it's made out of wetsuit material, thinner though. And it's made for people who do like kayaking and, and boating and rowing and all that stuff where there's water constantly going into their feet. And the Shafi'i can make... We do on that. The Ahnaf and the Malikiyah do not make Qiyas on Arukhsa, and therefore they own, it's Khuf or Bust. That's it. Any other comments? Ahmed, what do you have to say? Uh, not much. Okay. Are we good? Yeah, no, I remember seeing a Salafi. He, like, he had leather socks, and yeah. he's like, oh, mashallah, you're like, you can wipe on those socks. And he's yeah. like, yeah, but sometimes I like mixing matching, and like, I just like to wipe it on the regular socks. <laughs> well, what was the point of wearing the khuf then, right? <laughs> if you can wipe on your socks, the khuf business, business is out of business, right? Yeah. Yeah. Khuf shop is out of business. Why would I ever encumber myself and burden myself with this awkward, thick, not fit well sock, which is the khuf? Right. Yeah. I would never wear a khuf, right? I, I, I hardly ever wear a khuf now. If I want to wear shoes, it's going to expand my shoe. Mm-hmm. I'll wear a khuf if I'm doing etikaf in the masjid, right? Because there I'm not wearing my shoes anyway. Uh, it, it doesn't, 
I wear socks under the hoof. Like I've never worn yeah. a hoof on its own. Let, it just it traps the heat in mm-hmm. a bad way, right? And you slip on it. So I'm the best hoof in the world is the Turkish hoof. The leather they use is so soft. Mm-hmm. Whereas you get the regular standard hoof, it's it like, stands by itself. It's, yeah, it's hard leather. Yeah. It's like almost like uh, really bad leather. It's not, it hasn't been like softened. The Turkish hoof is amazing. You go to Istanbul. In the wintertime, the whole row is wearing chuf. Because yeah. they don't know any other fiqh. Alhamdulillah. Right? Yeah. They, they close the door on all those other fiqhs. And because they don't speak Arabic, they don't have access to the, all the Arab shiuch who tell them everything is hada. Right? <laughs> Let's now turn to our shama'il of Sayyid al-Kawnayn alayhi salatu means the description. And anyone whose name is Shumail, I think his name is Shama'il, right? Isn't it Shumail? Shuma'il, I think so. Shuma'il means he has many good qualities. Ishmael? Ishmael? That's what they call Ishmael. Ishmael in the. In no, but he's Desi, so I don't but think But for the Desi, it's Shuma'il. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a typo here. Ajib. You want a pencil to fix it? Yeah, such a wonderful copy, but how does it have a typo here? Right? Um, yeah, we'll fix that. Typo in the Arab. I remember the first time I saw Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, I was on, on a bus in Morocco going from city to city. Someone says, oh, look at this book. He looks at the book and he says, okay, there's some mistakes in the Arab. It's like, man, how did he know that? Right? Because when you're young, you just all you see is marks on the book, right? Yeah. You see marks, and you're like, "How does he know that there's mistakes?" So, and Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam kana yusalli min al-layli ihda ashrat rak'ah yutir minha biwahidatin fa'ida faragha minha ittajala shiqhi al-ayman. The Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to pray a lot of tahajjud. If you can pray even two rak'ahs of tahajjud, it's amazing. You can just pray even just two rakas of tahajjud a night, and then pray your shafa and witr after that. And we are we are people. Alhamdulillah, by ilm tazkiyatin nafs, we don't get rusty, we don't get down, we don't get demoralized for long. If you do, temporary. We make wudu, shut this iblisi thing off. Okay, you get bombarded with messages that mess up your head. Mess up your frequency. My radio frequency to the heavens is totally off. Why? Because of all these messages. Shut it off. Make wudu. Sit and recite. Say no to the whole world for like just 15 minutes. It's not a long time. No. A 15 minute YouTube video. Or five three minute YouTube videos. How many times have you sat and said, I'm not watching a 15 minute YouTube video. But then you watch like 10 one minute YouTube videos and like a couple two minute Adds up to 30 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So say no. 15 minutes, nothing's going to happen. The world's not going to change. Absolutely nothing will happen. And recite Quran. All of a sudden, you've refixed that frequency, right? You've, you've polished off that antenna. You feel great again. Feeling optimistic and good is not a function of the external world. It's not a function of even personality. It's a function simply that the heart is clean, Right? then you can receive from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the, the tafa'ul and the optimism. 
The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to pray 11 rak'ahs then witr. And then he'd lay down, then wait for fajr. Then, Haddathana Hannadun, Haddathana Abu Al-Ahwas, An Al-A'mash, An Ibrahim, An Al-Aswad. عن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي من الليل تسع ركعات so sometimes nine ركعات he would pray حدثنا محمود بن غيلان حدثنا يحيى بن آدم حدثنا سفيان الثوري the great سفيان الثوري عن الأعمشي نحوه same hadith okay and then it is from oh you guys hear that car accident? Go check it out. Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman. You know Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman is a secret keeper of the Prophet. He kept the secret of the 12 hypocrites. Okay, His father, Yaman, was outcasted out of Yemen. He was, he was kicked out of his tribe and the Ansar took him in. So he's not originally from Ansar. And Yaman was killed by friendly fire during Uhud. He was killed by friendly fire. When the Quraysh came down from the valley, uh, from the mountain, they created, there was so much dust and confusion that Al Yaman himself was killed by another Muslim. Because nobody knew who's who, right? So he was killed. Okay. And Hudayfa was caught shouting, Al Yaman, Al Yaman. Okay, so, he says, one time Hudayfa was with the Prophet at night. He prayed with him the tahajjud. He said, the Prophet said, Allahu Akbar, So he described Allah in the takbir. Allahu Akbar. And then he described him. He is the owner and the controller of the malakut and the Jabarut, and he is of the Kibriya and the Adama. What is the Kibr of Allah? Have you ever wondered? We're not allowed to have Kibr, right? But why is Allah the Mutakabir then? If Kibr is such a bad thing, you cannot enter paradise with one mustard seed of Kibr. You're not into Jannah if you have in Adam's way of Kibr. So why is then is Allah Mutakabir? How do we make sense of this? Well, well, kibr has a function. The idea of kibr is, let's say, in a courtroom, if the, if, where does the judge sit? The judge sits elevated. Why is the judge elevated in the courtroom? Because we all have to see him, right? You all have to see who the judge is. So the idea of being elevated is because the people need you. The people need to see you. Why do you put an exit sign high up in the air? Why don't you put an exit sign eye level? No, because you need to see it. So what needs to be seen is that which is beneficial. That which can benefit you, right, benefit the society and everyone, we need to elevate it. So if there's, for example, signs for highways, you need to elevate them. If it's not an important sign, like you know when people sponsor a highway, a mile or something, I don't know if they have this in England, but people sponsor a, a highway marker. It's basically like a donation to the highway services and you get to put your, your thing and, and, and people get to see your advertisement sponsoring a highway, a mile or whatever. It doesn't have to be high. It doesn't benefit anyone. But the signs that are useful have to be high. If the chief comes, he has to sit above everyone else because everyone needs to see the chief. 
Okay? Khatib stands way at the top so everyone can see him. So the idea is when you raise someone up, you raise them up for the purpose that he can benefit everybody. So we may do that figuratively and temporarily for the function that you're holding. So the khatib rises above everyone else as a khatib, not as himself. Proof being, in every other prayer, he's praying with everyone else, right? The judge, as a judge, we can elevate him, no problem, because we all need to see who the judge is and what the judge is saying. But when he goes to the supermarket, he stands in line with everybody else, okay? So we do that in our societies as human beings, but you as an individual, nobody needs you. Nobody's going to, the society's not going to basically uh, uh, collapse without you. So it's not fitting for any human being to elevate himself. Human Humanity doesn't need you. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-mutakabbir is because we do need him and he can't fulfill our needs. So now we ask the question, how is Allah mutakabbir? He's mutakabbir, like in this world we don't see Allah, right? But how is he mutakabbir? He's mutakabbir in his insistence. Yeah, maybe insistence is not the right word. Obliga- obligation and recommendation that we do not start anything except with his name. That his name is called out every event. That he's prayed to five times a day. That it's a righteous deed to busy yourself with his remembrance all the time. That's that's his takabbur that's his on the earth. That is his making himself known on the earth by at every turn you remember him. And his elevation of the Messenger وسلم, by attaching his name to him. So this is why the Prophet when he enters Allahu Akbar Malakuti wal Jabaruti wal wal We say that for Maliki Fiqh, we can say this in Nafila, not in Fart. And here, where did the Prophet say? In Nafila, not in Fart. Qala, thumma qara al Baqarah. Then the Prophet recited the entire Baqarah in one raka'ah. Two and a half juz in one raka. Thumma raka'a fakana ruku'uhu nahwan min qiyamih. His ruku'ah was as long as his qiyam. About. Nahwan. About. Wakana yaqul subhana rabbi al-azim. Subhana rabbi al-azim. And then in another hadith, subuh quddus rabbul malaikati wal ruh. You know that one time I taught this to the kids at Dar al-Arkham school? They said, Sheikh, is this from the Bible? Right? Because it sounds different, right? It's not something that you know. They're like, is this Arabic? Right? It yeah. sounds like some biblical. Subuh, Qudus, Rabbul Malaikati, Warruh. Right? It not, doesn't sound like the normal tasbih that people make. Right? And many people don't know that that's tasbih. Subuh, meaning the one who receives much uh, praise. Uh, pure, uh, uh, tenzi. Qudus, completely purified of all falsehoods and, and false uh, bad, bad opinions. Qudus, Al Quds. Something purified completely. Rabbul Malaikati wal Ruh, Lord of the angels and the soul. Or Al Ruh here being Jibreel. Because Al Ruh al Qudus is who? Jibreel. Jibreel. The Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I asked him, What is the Holy Spirit? Ryan, what did they teach you in Catholic school? What's the Holy Spirit? What, what school did you go to? CCD? I went to CCD. Catholic school? I used to call it chocolate-covered donuts. Oh, my God. <laughs> in, in, in our school, we used to call CCD right. Central City Dump. My <laughs> right? We used to call it the Central City Dump. 
I didn't even know what CCD was. It's basically Sunday school, but they used to have it on Wednesdays, oh, the, the Catholic kids in my school. So I don't know what they say about the Holy Spirit, but it's Jibreel, right? Ruh al-Quds is Jibreel. He's given the revelation to Sayyidina Isa, salam. This is not that complicated. You made him a god, right? Yeah. I actually, you know, like when you learn about these things, even like when you're young, yeah. I thought that they meant Jibreel, salam. Yeah. Until later on I found out, no, the Holy Spirit is a different entity, so, according to them. What is it? I don't know. But like from, you know, from a fitra perspective, you know, if someone like who grows up on the deen, they all automatically think this Holy Spirit, the only person it can be is it's Angel Jibreel. Jibreel. bring the message, right? Yeah. Okay, so then, Subhan Rabbi Radim, Subhan Rabbi Radim. Then he, when he rose, he began thanking Allah, Li Rabbi Alhamd, Li Rabbi Alhamd, thanking Allah Ta'ala for a long time, as much as the recitation. Then he made sujood, and his sujood was at long. And in his sujood, he would say, Subhan Rabbi Al-Ala, Subhan Rabbi Al-Ala. Now, and the Habayb still do this, by the way, in the silent prayer, Every once in a while, the Prophet ﷺ used to say what is silent out loud. Just so that they could hear it. Not the whole thing. Just for us a moment. So, and, and, and I, I noticed that Habayb doing this in Yemen. Let's say they're going to Rukwa. Right? So you actually know what he's saying in Rukwa. It's a way of teaching people. Probably have the Basit does that sometimes too. Yeah. Oh, he does that too? too? Most yeah. imams, I think. Yeah, imam does oh, that. They, I think maybe they do it because it's now become a thing without realizing that it's meant for teaching. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the one thing. And then he says here, Now, what do we say between the two sujood? Many people don't know this. What do we say between the two sujood? The Prophet, he extended this sujood uh, this sitting long and he said so he kept saying asking forgiveness so between the two sujood you ask for forgiveness and you can make dua for your family too right for your parents is there another riwayat like yes yes yeah and then he says, then the Prophet ﷺ got up and he recited the next rakah, Ali Imran. Next rakah, Nisa. Then Ma'idah. Then An'am. All of that. Okay? So, um, if you notice, that, that is a very, very, very long salah. Very long salah. قال أبو عيسى وأبو حمزة اسمه طلحة بن زيد أبو جمرة الضبغي اسمه نصر بن عمران In another hadith عن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت قام صلى الله عليه وسلم The Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم قام He made قيام بآية من القرآن With one ayah of Quran So on one tahajjud he prayed a long tahajjud In another tahajjud he prayed with one ayah وعن أبي وائل عن عبد الله قال صليت ليلة مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم فلم يزل قائما حتى هممت بأمر سوء قيل وما هممت به قال هممت أن أقعد وأدع النبي صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم He says here that the Prophet ﷺ prayed so long 
I had a bad thought in my head. They said, what's the bad thought? He said, to sit down and leave the Prophet. So I said, leave the Salah of the Prophet. By the way, if you're praying nafilah, you can sit down at any time you wish. You can start sitting and then you can get up later. If you're tired, let's say it's tarawih and you're like really upset. I personally don't like to, 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 to exhaust the people like this. I think it's bad. I don't know where people got this idea. I went to a masjid one time and he spent the entire time okay, talking to the youth and saying, don't be sore. Struggle through it. I thought this is a complete bid'ah. To hedge if you have one or two people, be as long as you want. Tarawih, I mean, be as long as you want. But when you have people who are strangers and youth, how is it a righteous deed to be suffering through this tahajjud and this tarawih. That's why Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz made it 36 rakahs. So that if people are tired, the rakahs short. Right? So this idea that, oh, suffer through it. What? What are you talking about? That's not deen for us. Also, the dua of uh, witr. We had a long debate. The dua of witr. This last... Uh, I, I made the du'a of which I did it short, right? And it's not out of ignorance of how to make du'a. No one can memorize du'a, right? And say du'a. But I don't believe in a long Twitter. I, I'm not. In, I don't like this, right? It's just too long. Everyone's exhausted. Some of the dads and the youth, they came back, the kids, they're thanking me, right? Okay. And then I said, you know, Qari, uh, I told our Qari, I've never seen anywhere where the Prophet ﷺ did a long witr like that and the people are like... Because you know what the kid told me? He said, I don't know what the Qadi's praying for, but I'm praying for him to finish. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm like, you got the kids like going the opposite direction of where we, you want, right? You want them to, to, to love ibadah, but you're making them hate it with this. So, I told him this. You know what he said? I said, he said, what do you want? He said... Shorten the witzer a little bit, make it short, easy. He got. He looked at me, said, "It just got fifteen minutes longer." <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next, next day, right? Long witzer, <laughs> much longer than before, right? And then they started just um, their banter, because we have our qari and the muaddin. They're older than me, significantly older than me. So they always have to have some banter with me. And they said, oh, um, everything that we have to do now at MBSC has to be short and brief, right? <laughs> so that nobody rests. But the suhoor has to be long and eating, right? <laughs> has to be long. Uh, so anyway, in any event, the Prophet could be was long sometimes, went short, but he never prayed a long prayer with people. And you are allowed at any time you want, in nafida, sunnah, to sit down. However, you're getting half the reward. Okay? Yes? Don't we have uh, studying more than two surahs in the, in the prayer? Or in one in our is, that, is there anything on that? Or you could recite as many surahs as you want? This, the, 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 what Malik loved is what the Prophet ﷺ did was just to recite. When you recite a surah, you recite the entire surah. Not more than one, nor... Uh, no, I... I didn't come across whether more than one, but Malik did not like you reciting part of a surah. But more than one, 
I don't know if they actually if what the Matic effect book say about that. I thought Ruther is like it's similar to recite like the three. The three? Yeah. Yeah, the the that in what about the fard though? Yeah. Cuz nawafil have different rules than faraid. I've never seen in the fard that it's makruh to recite more than one surah. And it's a, just a light discouragement to recite from part of a surah. Matic liked to be recite from the entire surah. Why? Because he said the meaning completes itself. I have another question. Shoot. What about repeating ayat and, and, um, and things like in that? In Nawafil, Malik did that himself. He would repeat certain ayats over and over and over and over and over. Sayyidah Aisha used to do that in Nafil. But for Fard, again, I don't think that that's to be done in the Fard. Um, we have rules that are very strict on the Fard. Why? It's because the Fard prayer is a Ummah-wide unifier. So you want as little difference from the time of the Prophet as possible. Because... What unifies us as Muslims? That if I were to go to Bangkok right now, I could find a mosque and pray there, and I know exactly what's going to happen in the prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about like some reports that I've heard I, um, of like the Sahaba or the Prophet ﷺ responding and you know engaging with the Quran while they're while the Quran is being recited in Salah? For example, when um, Surah Al-Ala. Uh, was recited. Someone told me this that you know when you uh, when it's recited al-ala, you respond Subhana Rabbi al-ala. Have you ever heard anything like this? I never. I've heard that yes, and I never heard that it's necessarily wrong. Right. I've never heard uh, uh, any blame of that. So can can you do that? Is there like is it a sunnah to do that or you know uh, like basically what's the ruling on that and should we be doing you know um, should we be doing? I'm going to look that up and ask the shiuk about uh. that. I heard yeah, from, those details. I heard from Ustaz Harun, like from one of the, his recordings, it was like, it was it was makruh to say, it, but I'm not sure. Makruh to break your salah for the tasbih. Like so, like not so. break the salah for the tasbih. Like say, like 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 the ayat, ayat talk about jannah, and you say Allahumma yadkhilna jannah. Is that because the imam's reciting? Uh, probably because the imam's reciting. Yeah, if the, if imam's reciting, you just listen. You don't make dua. But what about if you're the imam? I'm not sure, honestly. Or if you're praying by yourself, yeah. that we will ask about that. Right. عن النضر عن أبي سلم عن عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها عائشة of course you know that um, is prohibited from صرف you know what that is yes ممنوع من الصرف ممنوع من الصرف you cannot receive كسرة it should be ممنوع من الصرف التام ممنوع is prohibited from complete صرف صرف is alteration getting all the short vowels so I say the name Aisha and many other names and many other words cannot receive sarf, full, cannot receive kasra or tenween. So therefore, an is harf jar is going to be followed by Aisha ta, not Aisha t, or let alone Aisha tin. You got that, Ahmed? Yep. Okay. And the He used to pray sitting. فَيَقْرَأُ وَهُوَ جَالِسٌ So he would recite while sitting. فَإِذَا بَقِيَ مِنْ قِرَاءَةِ قَدْرُ مَا يَكُونُ ثَلَاثِينَ أَوْ أَرْبَعِينَ آيَةً If there were 30 or 40 ayahs left, he would get up and then recite them standing. Okay? ثُمَّ رَكَعَ Then make ruku'ah, then sujood. Then in the second rak'ah, do the same thing. So he's teaching us how to pray sitting. Praying sitting would not be sitting on a chair, it would be sitting on the ground. Sitting on the chair is only someone whose ankles or knees are broken that they have to sit like that. But when we say sitting, we sit on the ground, recite, right before the end of the recitation, get up, read the last few verses, and then make ruku'ah and sujood as normal. 
And after the second sajda, sit again and start Fatiha. That's how you recite if you're tired, if your legs are tired. An Abdullah ibn Shaqiq qala, سألت عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها. I asked Aisha about the prayer of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam on his tatawa, which is nafila, extra prayers. فقالت كان يصلي ليلا طويلا قائما. He would pray one night a long prayer standing. وليلا طويلا قاعدا. And some nights long and sitting. فإذا قرأ وهو قائم ركع وسجد وهو قائم. وإذا قرأ وهو جالس ركع وسجد وهو جالس. And then she does say, when he was sitting, he would make rukua sitting. So he, so she's saying that sometimes he did not get up and then make regular rukua. Sometimes he stays sitting and they make rukua sitting. And the way you make rukua sitting is by going halfway. Of course, sujud, you're going all the way, right? So you go halfway for rukua. That's how you do salah sitting. Okay. How are we doing on time? It's two and a half. Two thirty. The Messenger ﷺ used to pray Subhatihi Qaidan Wayakara Ubisurati Wayuratiluha Hatta Takunu Atwala min at min atwala minha. Okay, let's see what they meant by this subha two sixty six. See how he translated that. Does he mean it's not Rakata al Fanj? Oh, he subha here just she just means nafila. Yeah. Okay, it's a term I never really knew about. Mm. No. Yeah, just nafila. What she means by subha is nafila. Yeah. وأن النبي صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم لم يمت حتى كان أكثر صلاته وهو جالس. He did not die except that at the end of his life most of his salah was while sitting. Subhanallah. And عن ابن عمر صليت مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم ركعتين قبل الظهر. I prayed with the Prophet peace be upon him. When they say I prayed with the Prophet, meaning like near him or next to him. Two rakahs before ظهر. And two rakahs after the hur. And two rakahs after Maghrib, in his house, he prayed them. And two rakahs after Isha, in his house. And that the Prophet ﷺ used to pray two rakahs when the sun would rise. Okay. And they were very short. Sayyidah Aisha said they were so short, we thought that he doesn't pray anything except Fatiha in them. He doesn't recite anything except Fatiha. Okay. And then one more hadith says that Ibn Umar says, I took, I preserved that the Prophet ﷺ prayed eight rakahs. Two before Dhuhr, two after them. Two after Maghrib, two after Isha. Okay. And from Ibn Umar, Haddathini Hafsa bi rakatayr ghada. Hafsa told me, his sister Hafsa said, two rakahs of ghada. Walam akun arahuma min al-Nabi wasallam. So, but the sunnah in the Maliki Madhab is that these are called the rawatib and they are the sunnahs, 
surrounding the prayers and that they tend to be their purpose is waiting for the imam or tanaful. There's no limit or maximum, no minimum, no maximum to them. Okay. Um, and that Ibn Umar never saw the Prophet praying duha, but Sayyidah Hafsa said, yes, he prayed duha. Duha is before the comes in. Uh, Abdullah ibn Shaqiq, I asked Aisha about the prayer of the Prophet, peace be upon him. She said he used to pray before Dhuhr two rakas, after them two rakas, after Maghrib two rakas, after Aisha two rakas, before Fajr two rakas. Okay. كان إذا كانت الشمس منها هنا كهيئتها منها هنا عند all right, we'll stop here and let us open up now to Q&A, topic of Nawafil, Sunnah prayers, Shama'il of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You need any, um, can't get any prescriptions. We got a ph- pharmacist right here. He's going to get disbarred. But if you start, start um, hiding some pills, giving them out to the brothers or the sisters. Never know. <laughs> All right, let's see what we got here. Diana, let's kicking it off with Diana from Canada. She says, in case QA accepts all kinds of questions today, I was wondering why or if we should flip to the top right of our prayer mat when we leave it. Sister, you're a Palestinian. You must be hanging out with Desiyin. Oh, wait, they fold it in half like this way instead of like... No, like just curve the top corner. Because they say Shaitan sits at that corner. <laughs> wait, top, flip the top right corner. Uh, there's no basis for that. Uh, I always fold up my prayer mat for a practical reason. By the way, I hardly ever pray anywhere anymore without a mat. Yeah. right? Because I don't want people's feet. People walk there, right? Yeah. And it's not like dirt dirt in, the, uh, in nature yeah. where the wind will purify it and stuff. No, this is a rug, right? A synthetic rug where people's feet could walk there and you can get fungus uh, rash on your forehead. Right, and it's it's impossible to get it out, and it looks terrible. Right, your forehead is all scarred up. So I always pray on anything now—a handkerchief, a mask, anything that's in my pocket. I usually put it down and pray upon it. But you should fold your prayer mats for the practical reasons they don't get dirty. But there is no concept. But now Diana gave herself away that she hangs out with Brailvies. Now we know that now. Okay. Nimra has a question from Nimra. That she says, asking a question now as I have to exit the live stream in a while. Uh, yesterday you outlined three levels of bid'ah. Um, yes. No, I can't tell you what a specific group falls into, but I could tell you what is, if you specify a specific belief, what it falls into, right? And the group she's mentioning is probably between their bid'ah is bid'ah khafifa and bid'ah mufassiqa. Depends. Because not every single group in Islam has like one straight doctrine. They have a gradient in their doctrines and the stuff that they say. Why is silk and gold specifically prohibited for men? By the way, the Romans forbade silk for men. It's soft. It makes them soft, right? The Prophet said and forbade gold and silk for men with more tashdeed on the gold. Because he said when he saw... Uh, it talks about it being gold of fire, fire or a ring of fire on you, right? Uh, so he did mention those things on, uh, for gold was more severe prohibition than silk. But there, the, we don't have a illa, 
the prophet didn't say why but we do know that it's like it's a worldliness and it's a marker of the comforts of that women are afforded that men are not afforded also uh is the concept that um what was i going to say oh, i just lost my train of thought about gold and silk oh it is permissible for sickness so you are allowed to use gold in your body for example teeth in the old days if you broke your nose in war they put a gold they attach gold right here right they use gold because it doesn't corrode and the body does not the body like accepts it right whereas everything else the body rejects it you are allowed to use gold in war so in the old days you can put some gold on your shield and on your sword and on your helmet to show the enemy we have so much money we're so rich we can waste money and waste gold in war you can use silk for sicknesses of course now probably there's synthetic material that's more beneficial but in the old days you could use silk for sicknesses Madiki Click says, every person I've known that wore a chuf, their feet were busted and smell. Yeah. Yeah, you, I always wear a sock under the chuf, personally speaking. Yeah. All right, let's see what's, we, what's going on here on Instagram. Safa says, I'm Moroccan and my family also does this. I don't know why. This was probably earlier in the stream. Were we mentioning something? The, the folding the right. Folding the right side of the mat? Yeah, right. That's Ajib. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was a Desi thing. Yeah, it, I, I guarantee you the story, the history of it is going to be some Wali had a kashf right. that Shaitan is messing around. That's probably the history of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Can you pray Salat Tahajjud with the combined intention of Tahajjud and Salat al Hajjah? Yes, you can. No problem with that. You can mix all of the uh, Sunnah Nawafil intentions. Uh, is there a sunnah prayer for Asr? There is nafila. There is nafila. Uh, it's not a sunnah mu'akkadah, but there's nafila to be prayed before Asr. Any amount of rakas before Asr. There's four, one, for example, four before Asr. And also there are other hadiths of four before Dhuhr and four after Dhuhr. As Khadija is saying. What about, what about the hadith about the twelve throughout the day? The twelve throughout the day. That hadith of praying, whoever prays twelve throughout the day... Malik said it means 12 rakas of tahajjud. He gets a palace in paradise. The other imams say, no, any 12 amount of sunnah prayers throughout the day earns you a palace in paradise. Okay. Um, some of the questions here are, are you allowed to make dua with kalam and nas? That's in the Hanafi school has a concept. You have to ask your local Hanafite about this, that they have limits on what dua they can make in salah. We, Malik Matham has no such limits. You can make dua even in your own language if you don't know how to make dua in Arabic. You can make dua of anything, including something that you can ask people. Right? Something of the world that you can ask people. Oh Allah, help me get a car. Oh, help me get a job. You're allowed to ask those. In salah. In the fard. Including. Let's see what else we got from Insta here. Hala White says, May I know, is the odd numbers of Raqqa of Tahajjud because of the three wits? Yes. It's always going to become odd because of witr. Otherwise, it's two and two and two and two. What if witr was already prayed after Isha? That's okay. You can still pray Tahajjud. You just won't repeat your witr. Eleven Raqqas, then witr? Yes. Uh, including witr. Because you can't have eleven Raqqas any right. other way. You're always praying two and two and two and two. 
Two and salam, two and salam, two and salam. So when Imam Malik says 12, when Imam Malik says 12, then is he talking about excluding winter? Yeah. Yeah. What's worse, says Tafsir Holmes, agreeing to comb Lut's lifestyle or drinking alcohol? Agreeing to comb Lut's lifestyle is an aqidah. Aqidah error that is, is worse than a major sin. Drinking alcohol is the worst of sins, right? It's the worst of sins. Umm al kabair the Prophet said, why? Because it leads to all the other sins. There's a famous story of a man who said, um, he, a man, he said, what's worse, murder, zina, or drinking alcohol? So one man said murder has got to be the worst because you're taking someone's life. Another one said zina is worse, be, is, 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 be second because now you've made another person commit sins with you, right? You lured another person to commit sins with you. And then alcohol is the least because you're doing it by yourself and you're just getting drunk by yourself in a room, right? So I think, I believe this is also from one of the Athar, uh, and, and I think I saw it marfu'a to the Prophet If not, then it's from the uh, Athar of the Salaf. He said, then a man got dr- drunk, when he got drunk, what does he do? He commits zina. When he wakes up and he realizes he committed zina, he realized there are witnesses and she might be pregnant, so he killed her, right? Or killed the witness. So that that khamr leads to all those things. Not every single time, but eventually. Okay. All right, let's see what else we got. Ryan, you got anything good up there? Uh, Al-Amash says, what's the ruling on mortgage and interest? No, uh, we don't use the conventional mortgages. At least the contracts that are out, the face of the contract is a Sharia compliant contract. Don't talk to me about how much more money you're paying. I'm not going to get into that. The face of that contract has been signed off on by the muftis that are reliable, such as Taqi Uthmani. Okay. You say, oh, he didn't read it properly. How do you know he didn't read it properly? You'll go talk to him, right? But don't come to someone, regular Muslim, the Taqi Uthmani's on it, and many, many other scholars have signed off on the face of this contract. Meaning, when I say the face of the contract, means I don't care what the company's doing afterwards with the contract. What I'm signing is valid. Sadiq says, on the last live stream, we mentioned Sayyidina Muhammad Adwi Maliki's book, for those interested, it's called Mafahim Yajiban notions that must be corrected. What's the best time to break down for Tahajjud to make powerful dua towards the end of the night? It's the best time. Are we allowed to make dua in the Fard prayer? Of course. And not in the Sunnah and the Wafid? You can make, not can, should, in all of the Salah that you make in the standing after the Quran has been recited and in the sujood, and before the taslim. You should make dua. And if you cannot speak Arabic, you can say it in, in English, or whatever language you have. Anam says, can women participate in a protest or a rally? She can go to them, as long as there's not something inappropriate, like screaming and shouting and all that stuff. That would be, um, well, we would consider that yani, not the behavior of the sahabiyat, right? It's not the behavior of, even for men, you're out there screaming. What are you screaming for? Who are you screaming to? 
I've never seen a protest where they... Okay, so I understand the concept of the protest. We need to get the media's attention to this problem. Would I think that it would make sense. It does make sense when you're getting world attention. Fine, I get that. But the emotional and screaming and stuff, I don't think that that's you know you can appropriate. I'm not saying halal and haram, but it's not appropriate for a man. You can most likely achieve the same effect without any screaming or any chanting, you know, because it's about assembly. Assembly and say you know like if even if it's a silent march, yeah, it's going to achieve the same effect. It depends on the organization. What are the demands? What are we seeking? How are we bargaining for it? What is, you know, like, what's our bargaining chip? Mm-hmm. There's a whole process that has to go into it, too. I think yeah. a lot of these protests, um, you know, they get likened to riots because there's really no goal. You know, like, mm. it's, say, for example, for Palestine, which is a noble cause to protest for, but you're just trying to show to your representatives that we care strongly about this issue and that we're going to vote. So, you know, what difference is it going to make if you scream and you shout? Versus if you're silent, but you're all united together and say you march to you know the office of your representative and you're there and you're saying that this is what we care about and we're going to vote you out of office if you don't... You Thank know. you. There has to be a practical measure. And the idea, too, that you're going to be uh, getting media attention is you're giving bad publicity to this rep. Right. Right. Now, you got to also think of, is there change even, is change even possible? Right. Because when you have something like Israel, you're not having a, a, a change at the national federal level. This right. is like they're on one side on this. But so you can go maybe at your local level and make sure that your rep doesn't do something in support. Like in Patterson, there's enough Muslims that whoever is in charge in Patterson, was, is in politics in Patterson, is going to tread very carefully because right. of the amount of Palestinians. But as you said, you got to have a goal. And that goal has to have, you have to have some kind of way to harm the person into giving you your goal. Right. Right. Political harm, not physically like you're going to harm him, like we're going to give you bad publicity. Right. Things like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Zainab says, in London, there are many people who follow Salafi. Okay. And it's hard to determine comparability. So what is type of litmus test? Uh, Do you want to get into that and get into a dogfight with them? You don't. You really don't. Yeah, the, because they... It's going to be... the lit, Okay, oh, I see what you're saying. When she's getting married. Oh. Uh, yeah. You say, what kind of books you got on your shelf? Right? Okay. What and, imams do you listen to? Yeah, what imams do you listen to? And now I understand Zainab, because I read it, and then there was a question above it, which I didn't see. Now I get Zainab's question, because that is practical. I'm getting a guy proposing. How do I know what he's all about? What books are on his bookshelf? Um... When he needs a fatwa, where does he go? When he has a fit question, who did he study fit with? Well, aqidah book. Can you spell aqidah for me? E E E E D A Q E E, right? Right. If he texts you, inshallah, A L L A A A A H. Ask where do you get your fatwa from? Where do you get your aqidah? Where do you study aqidah from? Right. You can ask those questions, and they could tell you, and you'll tell by the books. And sometimes people don't know; they're not anything. This is a regular Muslim, but they got a hodgepodge in the library, yeah, right? So if you ask, or just whatever's yeah, there, yeah. right? They and they're just reading whatever they are. There's a lot of that you got to realize in the community too. And some people drop off their books at the masjid, right? Because the books got old or whatever, and they think that we just—it's something that will take everything. And they bring us their entire Islamic library, 
Like, man, you just buying anything that looks good, right? Yeah. Some of these books are on lists, you know? Like, we shouldn't even have them. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, some of these books are from some extreme... It's like, for example, Albani's Prayer, and then Bawa Mohyuddin. Which is a book that even the Sufiya have questioned, right? Because some of the things there, from a Sharia and Aqidah standpoint, are questionable, mm-hmm. Right. Oh, his name is Bawa Mohidin. Yeah. Is there any like question about like his Mazar and like in Pennsylvania? A lot of people go there, but if you look at his books, there are, I've seen had shiuch of Tasawuf come and say, "No, this book, put, throw, it put it aside. No, this book has a lot of things that are wrong in it, right? Yeah. Like kufriyat in the book, uh, right? Like belief in reincarnation, right. uh, things like that." But you got that, then you got Albani's book, uh, Albani's prayer. Yeah. So you got Maseki, just regular common Muslim going, picking up books. And mm-hmm. I think that it was Moeen who said, there's just too much information out there. You need a local human being to help you even navigate this, yeah. right? I need someone to help me navigate. What, what website should I study at? What book should I read? What publisher should I get? So for, for Zainab, that's the answer to your question, in my opinion. Um, Ask them about the books that you get. Who do you study with? And if you see inconsistency, then you know this guy's an innocent Muslim who just he doesn't have an opinion yet on things. But if he's got consistency and he gets heated about something, mm. right? Tell him, oh, okay, we're going to the Melody. Do you want to come? If he starts getting shaking and stuff, <laughs> then you know <laughs> exactly where you can he stands. Bring up Imam Abu Hanifa. Oh yeah, or say oh, yeah, we're, um, oh, Abu Hanifa. Bring up the name Abu Hanifa and see. If he has respect for it, this makes no sense. Like disrespect, like they call themselves a salaf. He's followed the salaf, and this who's going to be more salaf than him? Yeah. Abu Hanifa. Fahim Faisal says, "I'm going upward, so I don't know if this is a continuation question here. Yeah, it is a continuation question." Fahim Faisal says, "I have some schedule at some portion of Dhuhr on Wednesday. Will." You tell us the precise time of Dhuhr Wednesday when the dog gets answered, so that we may get the barakah. Okay, very good question. We don't know; it's hidden. The the dua between the Dhuhr and Asr, Yom Al Arbi'a, we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it after the stream here, but we just and it's gonna be short because I might have to get the kids. Um, we don't know when. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will op- open answers the dua in a spe- sliver of time, a period of time, between Dhuhr and Asr. It's hidden. So that means in the summertime, it's a very long gap, it's hidden somewhere in the middle. Okay, So we don't know. But if we keep hitting it, right, you're eventually going to get it one day. 52 times a year. And you hit it every at the same time at every time, eventually it's going to be one of those times. Can you tell us what is the wisdom of certain things being, you know, ghaib or hidden? For example, we have this Laylatul Qadr, or yeah. even things like Dhul Qarnayn. We don't know who he was. Yep. What's, what's the wisdom behind Good. that? When a human being in the Qur'an, their identity is hidden, such as, where is the cave of Surah Al-Kahf? Is it in Greece? Is it in Turkey? Okay, Dhul Qarnayn. His identity is hidden. Who is he? Wait, wouldn't he? Wouldn't we? Should we know him in history? If someone right. who ruled that big of a landmass, we should know him. The ulama say, when Allah hides the name of somebody in the Quran, it means it may apply to many people. 
such as in Surah Al-Kahf, there was the rich man and the poor man, right? And the rich man's garden was destroyed, and the poor man was correct at the end of the day. So it's because it could apply to anybody. It's an it's we're it's anal- acceptable to analogy, right? Qabil lil qiyas, like it could be other people too. When he mentions a name, usually it's only that person's miracle, such as the mother of Musa salam. Her name is not mentioned, but we know that she's the mother of Musa. Or Sayyidah Maryam, having a child without a father, no one will ever have that after her. And you should not ask for that. Okay? So, when he mentions a name in the Quran, it specifies that specific person will have that mu'jiza only. And when no name is mentioned, then it's anybody could have that. Anybody could be like this. Any, there could be a righteous king at any time. Right? There can be a poor man who is uh, advising his rich brother at any time. Things like that. But when Allah hides gifts, even in the last third of the night, it's not the entire last third of the night. Okay? In some narrations, it is the entire last third of the night. Okay? But other understandings, it's some window within the last third of the night. Okay? Because yanzilu fi akhir min al-layl, it could be understood as in the entirety of it or in a portion of it. Likewise, the dua, ma bayna dhuhri wal asr. There's a sliver of acceptance there. In Jum'ah, usually before Maghrib, is so that we could seek it. So we can get, and, and when he hides it, you have to seek it out. That means you have to do the ibadah more than just that time. When you do that, you get better at it. So for example, let's, let's imagine that we don't know when Laylatul Qadr is. We know that it's most likely last 10 nights, right? Uh, uh, and most likely the odd 10 nights. So first of all, we don't know if we saw the moon or not, right? So if we counted Shawwal as 30 because it got cloudy, maybe our first is actually the second of Ramadan. So we don't know, right? So therefore, we have to get all 10 nights. Now, if Laylatul Qadr ends up being the 27th night, that means you are entering to the 27th night having already done great ibadah for six nights which means you got better at ibadah, you got stronger, so you're going to come in and really smash it, right? Whereas, if you knew by schedule it's on the 25th, you're not going to do anything, you're going to get up on the 25th, you're rusty, right? You're rusty, you don't know when it's going to come in. So the idea of hiding something is because it's better for you. You come in with more effort, uh, being warmed up. And on a roll. You come in on a roll. That's the best way to put it. Wait, for Wednesday, is it a standard Asr or a Hanafi Asr? Huh? Is it standard Asr Ooh. or a Hanafi Asr? Now you're adding a question. Now he's adding a question. Is it standard Asr or a Hanafi Asr? SubhanAllah. We should... Allahu A'lam. But it's going to be standard Asr. I guess you're in Pakistan, it's Hanafi Asr. <laughs> uh, Yaqub, uh, or whoever this is, YQ says, isn't it makru? to pray on something like the tail of imama or a shawl yes if you're wearing it it's makruh to make sujood or with your hands on what you're wearing but if you take it off of your body and put it down like a handkerchief then you can pray on it alright let's see what else we got Subhi's here are we allowed to make dua for a kashf yes you are allowed to make dua for a beautiful dream Say I used to do that 
اللهم ارني رؤيا صالحه صادقه غير كاذبه نافعه غير ضاره that's a dog of say that is for dreams yeah you can do that let's go to whatsapp uh, i mean to youtube youtube what's going on on youtube um Abdul Hadi, witr dua that is sunnah in Hanafi madhab is very short. Same with the Madhiki madhab, the art dua for Fajr. It's very short. It's like 11 lines. How AK says, how do you make your ego smaller and stop thinking you are amazing? Well, what have you done, ya AK? Tell us what you've done in your life and I will help you make your ego smaller. <laughs> I've never heard of you, right? I don't see some big deal. Okay? No. But in all seriousness, um, if you want to, if your ego is happy about something you did, look at those who did it ten times better, and then you realize oh, I haven't really done anything. You you feel pumped up because you memorized the forty no hadith, right? So now you think about Imam Ahmad; he memorized a million hadiths before he started studying hadith. Subhanallah. Yeah, before he started studying, he had a million his hadith. Russell Chaudhry says. Isn't Dhul Qarnayn Cyrus the Great? No, no, he's not Cyrus the Great. He came way before Cyrus the Great. Cyrus the Great, he came and he had sympathy on the Yahud. Or they were talking Bani Israel at the time. And he brought them back in and he let them settle in. That was the time of the great Uzair. Um, Uzair was the prophet who lived at the time of Dhul Qarnayn, uh, 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 Cyrus the Great. Yeah. I think this is one of the issues with um, the Abdullah Yusuf Ali translation of the Quran. What does he say? Where, you know, the translation in and of itself, I don't think it's very problematic. Maybe the ulama, they know better. Yeah. Um, but like the commentary and the footnotes, a lot of times, for example, um, uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَجَعَلْنَا فِي السَّمَاءِ بُرُوجًا um, or uh, I forgot. Yeah. So he says those are the zodiacal signs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or for example, when it yeah. talks about the Qarnayn, he has a lengthy treatise on why it could either be, I believe, it was Cyrus the Great or Alexander. And Alexander the Great was yeah. someone nut job. Yeah. yeah, and he says that it can't be anyone else. Basically, he says that I've narrowed it down to these two people, and he he basically limits it to them. So those type of things, I think, they're problematic. Alexander the Great. The, the history books don't have many good things to say about him. He's like confirmed pagan. He, he was a bit kooky. Yeah. He was a pagan. Yeah. I mean, he was ambitious, right? And he was crazy. And sometimes to, to conquer the whole world, you have to be a bit crazy, right? But he was so uh, 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 disturbed. Alexander the Great was a really disturbed person. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mason Hakes says, put yourself to, to humble your ego. Do something you've never done before. Well, that's mm. that's great. Like, um, do something you've never done before, or play an unfamiliar sport, or do public speaking. Something you've never done. Really smart. That's really smart right. because you're gonna be like, um, you're gonna struggle at it. You're not gonna be that good at it, right? I played basketball with some of the youth the other day for the first time in like 20 years. I played basketball. I played basketball. Remember Ryan when we played basketball and I party that one time? I hadn't played basketball in 20 years, right? So, um, like team basketball. Shooting around, I've always done. But, like, team basketball, to me, is really hard. Like, it's too tight, right? There's just too much space. It's possible to get separation. All right, Prince Matthew Gaming says, What about Jalous while sitting? Do you take the same sitting position as standing? Yes. Place your hands on your thighs or next to your thighs. 
Shay K says, what's the wisdom behind there being two types of true dreams, one being direct, the other through signs? If we're all direct, wouldn't that remove the possibility of inaccurate interpretations of signs? No, the answer, Shay K, is that if all dreams were directly as they are, then you would not be able to decipher your dreams from your thoughts. True dream from Allah from your thoughts. That's why the dream from Allah comes in a code that you yourself can't understand. Okay? Unless you're a dream interpreter. So that when it comes down to you, you know, I have no clue what this is. It's not something your mind could have created. That's the beauty of it. It, it removes the possibility that my mind created this dream. Or that it's just some of my own thoughts. Okay? Wait, Sheikh, I actually yes. have a couple questions Speak about that. So, um, so <clears throat> uh, you said prior, like, uh, there's no haya and like dream interpretation, right? Correct. There's no haya. The homosexual act is not a homosexual act. Zina is not zina. Toilets and bathroom is not what you think it is all the time. Yeah. So it could be good thing. Those yeah. things, all of those things. My question is, what's the hikmah of using like sort of like signs like that involve masia, like on like? Because it's and, something and, that you wouldn't think of yourself. Yeah. Right. You wouldn't do it yourself. Like a code is always something that is the effect or the root of the thi- of the thing, yeah. and is and the image of it is something that you wouldn't have thought of yourself. Like, That's one of the wisdoms. Gotcha. Yeah. No. Like. I was just thinking, like, well, what's well, like, what's the wisdom as opposed to using like a different sign or like a different signal? Allah uh, Alam. For example, uh, sometime one interpretation I saw recently was that if a man comes and he like gives you a passionate kiss on the mouth, man to man, right? So, what is that? That's a bad thing, right? We would think it's not. It actually means that that man will will in some way will be like a financier for you. He's going to give you something you really like. Mm. Right? So it comes in the opposite of what you think. Mm. Again, to convince you, this is not something you thought of. This is external to you. In fact, you thought it was bad. Mm. But it's very good for you. Right? SubhanAllah. And if you look at it, like this is, look at how twisted, you know, the Western psychology is. Like Freud, he said, a dream is a fulfillment of a wish. Mm-hmm. And it's of your dream is what's buried deep into your subconscious. Yeah. So if you see something like this where you're committing an act of masiyah, he's basically saying, now, you know, dig deeper yeah. and, because maybe you want it. Yeah, SubhanAllah, exactly. it's so disgusting. He is completely perverted. And one of the problems that he still hasn't answered in the whole secular psychiatry and dream interpretation from a secular person have not answered is how in the world, if dreams are solely from me, there's never, they're not external. How do we see future in the dreams? Yeah. How do you see something of the future in your dreams? How do the kuffar see the Prophet ﷺ? When they've never heard of a man even by his name. Yes. There's so many examples are of the Sahaba. Yeah. How do they even know that, you know, exactly. or like that uh, story that we read in Ramadan of Ali radiallahu anh coming. Yes. Uh, to the Christian, to Christian girl. Yeah. SubhanAllah. And, and she doesn't know anything about this, right? And so th- this, this concept and idea of foreign knowledge, number one, as you mentioned, foreign knowledge. Knowledge that you did not know. It comes into your dream. How about future things coming into the dream, right? How do you explain that from pure psychology of your embedded thoughts as Freud? Freud himself is projecting his own perversion onto the field. And he was apparently so charismatic, charming, and unique, he got a gang following of psychiatrists. That's how he took over the field. Like a gang of psychiatrists came in. And bulldoze the whole field. Yeah. 
I think his lasting contribution, even, you know, if there's any psychiatrist or psychologist reading this, they're going to be like, you know, Freud doesn't have that much of an impact. And, you know, a lot of his stuff was mm-hmm. disproven. But really what his lasting contribution is, is a materialistic approach yeah. to the subconscious and to the conscious. Exactly. And Completely that hasn't gone away. It hasn't gone away. And that's all science is like that now. Like the idea right. that uh, naturalism is that all we have is the material. There's right. nothing outside of the material that is participating in this. Maniki Click, AK, join a gym. Have someone choke you out. <laughs> in other words, boxing. Do boxing. Your ego will disappear. It will disappear. It actually, you may need rehab. <laughs> I remember me and Waleed, we went for judo. We yeah. went for judo like three weeks, but it was too expensive and too far away. But like you flip people one third of the time and you get flipped two thirds of the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> and like every time you're just getting tugged and you're just getting thrown on the ground by some black belt guy. It's crazy. That's crazy. Caitlin Jaham says, no, we answered Caitlin Jaham's question. This is Sardoki. I heard the last, the best of the last is one third and one sixth. Yes, both, both times have been mentioned. Are the times of Dua acceptance like on Juma too vague because it keeps us doing more? Yes. And the times of Juma, the, there is hadiths on it that it's usually when the Imam Khatib sits down or at the end of the khutbah or before Maghrib. Yes. So you can be consistent throughout the dua. Uh, magnificent moment says, how do you resolve healthy self-respect or self-love versus the ego? Oh, that's a great question. S- selfishness harms other people. Self-love, I don't really, we don't really use that respect, that, that, that term, but if you want to say taking care of myself or you want to say the, the acceptable selfishness is just benefiting yourself, right? And it, it becomes negative when you're harming someone else. It becomes negative when you're actually... Ignoring other people. Or like reject, rejecting the truth. Like Re- rejecting the truth or ignoring other people. That's where concern for yourself becomes the negative selfishness. But for a person to wake up and the first thing he has to think about is himself is not bad. I mean, I think that's naturally what we all do. But to think of others as a sadaqah is a virtue and to harm others is a sin. So you find yourself, avoid the sin and do as much of the virtue as possible without ignoring yourself because if you ignore yourself that may backfire right if you're if you're too much focused on other people you wake up after five years of this and realize i don't have anything for myself you may feel resentment right Right. so you have to take care of yourself by the way taking care of yourself is for the other for other people too like wouldn't you let's say ahmed adi when you're a dad one day isn't your kid gonna look up and say he's looking at other people's dads too your kid there's like five, seven, eight-year-old kid. Isn't that kid also looking at other people's dads mm. and comparing? Mm. So you need to make sure that you don't cause a fitna for him, mm. right? Because if my dad's a Zahid, okay, he comes in Zika flip-flops, right? And the, <laughs> you know those Zika, those Wudu yeah. those flip-flops, training pants. This is Zahid. Adidas trainers that are like 10 years old, ripped up shirt, beards all over the place, and he thinks this is Zuhud. And that's the dad. Then he looks at another guy who comes in like a Tesla and another guy in a Mercedes, another guy. 
forget to have to be rich, just clean, crisp. Someone I could take out, right? And in public and feel proud of. That's a fitna for the kids. So that's why sometimes a person can be a Zahid until other people are involved in their life. Then you have to be considerate and not cause them fitna. I know a person, they had a really tough time because the dad had no concept of this, right? No concept. He'd drop her off at the public school. This is in England. Drop her off at the public school and she would be embarrassed. She loved her dad. He was pious, but she's embarrassed of her dad. You don't ever want that. Yeah. On this topic of yeah. self-love, it's kind of ironic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like where it's it's like a phenomenon where the term becomes the opposite of what it really intended to mean. Mm-hmm. So, um, in his famous book, I don't know if this is the source of um, where it comes from, but Cornell West in his book Race Matters, uh, he talks about the nihilistic threat, mm-hmm. and he says that this is the biggest threat to black people in America, and nihilism is this idea where. Um, you know, it's of where you forget the ego and the super ego and you just focus on the id, on focusing on your base desires. Pleasures. Right, on pleasures. It's nihilism, right? And it's saying, it's hedonism, where you're saying that nothing really matters except what I think matters. And it's just, um, you know, it comes from Nietzsche and all these other philosophers. And what's happening, like Sheikh Hamza, um, in his conversation with Jordan Peterson, I was just listening to it in the morning, it was a pretty good conversation, where uh, Imam Ghazali, he likens it to three things. You have the pig, you have the dog, and you have the sage. And uh, like representing the different aspects of the ego. And it's about, you know, like the pig is, you know, what my base desires are. Mm-hmm. And really like just, you know, if you let it roam free, it'll destroy you. And the only way that you can allow your, you know, the lack of nihilism, the only counter to nihilism is if you let the sage be in control, mm-hmm. right? And now self-love, what it starts, what it has, me- like what it means now is just whatever your shahawat are, whatever you want, you let happen. Yeah. And this is exactly the opposite of what we, you know, like what we need to be doing. If you want self-love, then you're not going to be doing, you know, drinking alcohol and you know, doing little favors for yourself and you know, justifying your mistakes. You're going to be holding yourself to the higher standard. Yeah. So really, it means the opposite of what people make it mean. And it's gone worse now. It's not just do what makes you feel good. It's believe whatever you want about anything, right? Regardless of reason or observation, right? And. Uh, if you truly love yourself, you want to actually control your ego. Your ego is actually your enemy. So indulging, I mean, think about it just from your own life. When you indulge on something, doesn't it blunt the pleasure of it later on? Sure. So if I eat my favorite foods all the time, I used to think like, okay, Eid, what's, what do we do in Eid? We know all the, what all the Christians do. They got all these gifts and all that stuff. So I used to ask my friend, what do we do on Eid? So we, we eat lamb. But we eat lamb all the time. <laughs> how is this? Like, how, how is this any, a big deal? Right? So I understand that that was a big deal for the old, the Bedouins and the and the farmers who they don't have a lot of food, yeah. right? To eat meat is a big deal. But when we eat like kings every single day, alhamdulillah, that you know my 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 parents fed us well. We eat like kings every day, right? Cook we cook dinner every day. Right, and maybe one or two days a week you have the leftovers of the dinner, but that's how we used to live. So, how are you going to sell me eating a dinner that's no different than any other Wednesday dinner? Right? (laughs) Okay. So, so ego also is tested. Now, back to this person's question, which was a good question, was ego can be tested by obedience to the Sharia and consideration of people, 
as long as you're obeying the Sharia, you're considerate of people. You don't have an ego problem, right? Mm. Even if after that you are seeking your, your personal benefits, like I want something because I enjoy it. Okay, but are you disobeying a lot? No. Are you stepping on people's toes? No. Then you have no problem. This is within the halal for you. Within what's not only halal, it's good for you, right? Because you're doing it in obedience. When's the best time to recite duha? Salat al duha? Anytime from the sunrise when it, salat becomes permissible again, not discouraged until before the hur. Wait, Sheikh. Yes. Uh, is there anything from that thought or from the Sheikh about like when's the best time in the day to recite salawat or no? Salah on the Prophet said, no, no specific set time in the day. Our man you see in Connaboy in California, his mom does it too. She folds the rug. Folds the rug. Yeah. <laughs> must be a Moroccan. He must have hit the Moroccan. Somehow it went from India to Morocco, right? So the jinn there, they're maybe they're related. <laughs> R2D2 says, how do you distinguish between a test and punishment? Very good. How you respond. If you respond with sabr and you don't disobey Allah Ta'ala, then it is not a punishment. It's a removal of sins. If you respond by disobeying Allah, it's a punishment. If you respond by improving in your deen, doing more ibadah, getting better at it, then it's an elevation of your rank. So I ask you, for example, you go out there and you, you try to set up a company and you fail. And then you're in a lot of pain because of the failure. Then you, you resolve to study your mistakes. And then you get better. Then that first failure, when you write your biography now, was that first failure, do you write it now as a, like a punishment or as a learning experience? A stepping stone to greatness, right? So that's what we consider when bad things happen to us. Prince Matthew says, the country I live in is Madiki, but each emirate has different madhab, majority. And for mine, it's Shafi and Hanbali, except for the Hindi and the Pakistani guys. Yes. So, looks like he's going to be doing hijra. <laughs> should I follow some sunnahs of our madhab that aren't known? Or should I not? For example, I would say to you, Prince Matthew, if you are going to cause fitna by it, then avoid the fitna. If, if you are going to be accused by it, you may be accused of being a Shi'i if you pray with your arms down, yeah. right? Then avoid it. But if they, if, if you can explain yourself, and you won't cause fitna, nor you will get a bad reputation for yourself, then you may practice yeah. a different madhab in the presence of those people. Yeah. Right? It's not going to be a problem. Most likely, it's like in your head. It's honestly it's a lot of times it's in your head. Yeah, a lot. Well, like a lot of times in your head. Yeah. Right. I have a question. Yeah. What if a like um, like an elder in the community comes to you and like advises you about something? You just say, like, okay, and change what you're doing? or If you can tell them, you have to judge it yourself. You have to judge it yourself. Yeah. You could tell them, no, this is in my method, this is how we do things. Yeah. Right? Nice. Ahmed Saydam says, is taking interest as severe as giving it? It's all the same severity, including the one who passes the paper, the one who signs off, the witnesses, everybody. The Prophet said him, brought it, all of them together. Is there a difference between Ethari and Hanbali creed or is it synonymous? I'm pretty sure it's synonymous. It's, it's supposed to be synonymous, yeah. right? But some of the Wahhabi creeds are now dressed as Ethari. That's the problem. So I would say in that respect, you have to look at it. Are they putting in the interpretation? Some of these Wahhabi creeds are just laughable. They're so bad they're laughable. Yeah. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
what was it the one that I just saw recently? Uh, that Allah Ta'ala, um, there is no mention that we don't say that he doesn't eat because he never negated it for himself. <laughs> and yeah, there's, and we, we don't see, no, 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 not that one, not that one. It was like something like, we don't say that he doesn't um, have a color. Color? Because he never negated color for himself. It's so ridiculous. It's so absurd. Because he didn't negate it for himself. Yeah, I heard it was so ridiculous. The wackiest one I've heard yeah. is like Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has two right hands and wrote the Torah with two right hands. I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah, Subhanallah. That's like a defect. That's not even like exactly. Subhanallah. If your kid is born with two right hands, that's what I say to the Hindus, right? If your girl is born with an extra finger, wouldn't you go and get it surgically removed? So why does your God have nine hands, nine arms, right? Like you're worshiping something, you would not accept it for yourself. If I yeah. said to you, you're an elephant, you're as fat as an elephant, <laughs> you'd be upset, but your God is an elephant, right? Right? He's an elephant man. So that's what I say. Like, And, and funny thing, Baqalani said the same thing. Baqalani went to the priest and said, how's your wife and kid? He said, we don't have wife and kids. We're priests. We don't have... So then why do you say God has a wife and a kid? SubhanAllah. <laughs> right? There's so nothing we, more like beautiful. Like if we believe that, you know, like our you know intellect and our aql and everything we are the best of creations mm -hmm. then any picture that you make like you know for the hindus yeah. then like you're saying like it's inferior to you you know Every what i mean we're in the best form possible and now when they're drawing their hands you know like they're gods with these weird symbols yeah, and like yeah. weird like appendages yeah. they're less than us then they're all less and the human being every time that we try to make aliens let's say avatar right. ugly it's ugly Right, the blue people, Avatar, yeah, blue people, wide, wide nose at the top, like at the top it's wide, and at the bottom it's skinny, and the foreheads are one way, and they have tails or whatever it is. The only beauty of it is where they look like humans, right? Right. So we objectively have never produced with our creative imagination a an alien that is as beautiful or more beautiful than the human being. Human being is the most beautiful thing that we know. So therefore, the Creator Himself. If he was like us, okay, he would be one of us. So he's not like us at all. He's transcendent beyond this. Having no form, no body, uh, no location, etc. That is the purest tenzi. So, so that, therefore, if you want to study Hanbali Creed, find a book that says Al-Hanbali, right? As opposed to Athari, because some of this Wahhabi stuff has entered into the Athari. Yusuf ibn Sadiq, I think he has... Go to Yusuf ibn Sadiq. Yeah. Can you, uh, do you have your phone? Can you put it in I there? I actually don't have my phone. Yeah. Uh, well, inshallah, I can yeah. send it over. Abu Layth, Maliki Click says. Yeah, if, if you, a guy proposes to you, says, well, who do you listen to? He says, Abu Layth, get up and walk out. Show him the door. That's the door right there. <laughs> Abu Lies? Abu Lies, yes, thank you. <laughs> what do you say? Like the message out. More like Abu Layth, the Ijma'ah Yeah. <laughs> Muhammad, he's become a clown and a complete joke. Everyone, It's just a laugh. His name just makes people laugh now. You're not even angry. Which is very sad because he's named after one of our greatest ulama. That's, that's where the insult comes in. Right. Because he said, Mamadik wrote to Layth those letters. So he made himself like, I'm Abu Layth. Layth ibn Sa'd. Like, I own Layth ibn Subhanallah. Sa so you're insulting Layth ibn Sa'd. Who are you to insult Layth ibn Sa'd? Sayyidina Layth ibn Sa'd was a great imam who had just had some differences of opinion with Imam Malik. That's it. 
R2D2 says, I was once told the basis for folding the corner was to prevent Iblis and Shayateen from seeking forgiveness from Allah Ta'ala. Um, yes, that's usually what they said, but um, <laughs> what makes more sense is somehow they're going to soil, spiritually soil your rug or something like that. Okay, let's see what else we got. Any plans to visit Toronto from Abdul Hadi? We're going to take a Toronto road trip, inshallah. Okay. Um, you guys want to uh, go to... Man, we're getting... Did we mention something about pornography or sins or something? Because every time this Tinder comes on and Ryan has to delete it. Poor Ryan got the... Getting all these sins, having to delete uh, all these spam. Uh, I, I remember one time we mentioned this, like for like six minutes we talked about pornography, and then it came right after that. So I think they, they, they know. Yeah, they know us now. Huh? <laughs> all right, let's see how the Insta's going. Dragul Khan says, how do we know if a dream is true? Uh, the interpreters will know if the symbols are true symbols because the symbols amongst dream interpreters and they're always talking they know what the symbols are the jews have a title for cyrus the great which is almost identical to the Qarnain. the two horns symbolizes the two empires he ruled over the bible conveys him in a vision as a ram with two horns okay maybe that but how do we explain that he came in the time of ibrahim because we say that he came in the time of Sayyidina ibrahim and cyrus came way later how would we know maybe Gog and Magog were not around at the time of the uh, uh, what do they call it? The captivity, the Jewish captivity in Persia, mm-hmm. right? the Babylonian captivity. Those seventy years, Gog and Magog were not around, and we know that Zulkarnain is the one who buried them. That's an inconsistency there. Can you use Ibn Sirin's book to interpret dreams? No, you're going to just get confused. Can you what read it, it for? Just, just as interesting. You can read it, but I'll tell you why it's not going to make any sense to you. Because no symbol, a symbol only means something relative to other symbols. Mm. Right. Right. A symbol only means something in a dream relative to other symbols. Right. So, um, and relative sometimes to yourself. Mm. Right. So that's why when he lists, he gives you, okay, a, a dog can mean, and he lists 5,000 things. Because relative to this symbol, it means that. Relative to that symbol, it means that. Relative to this symbol, it means that. Mm. So a dog can mean all those symbols. A, a dog can mean protection, right? Or Loyalty. Mm. Or it can mean your ego. Yeah. It could be a symbol of your ego. Which, right? Is there any prerequisites to become like a dream interpreter? Yeah, you, 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 will, you will keep the company of a dream interpreter until he tests you and tests you and tests you. Mm. And then eventually you seek your help in a dream interpretation and he'll, he'll grade you and he'll tell you you did good. Gotcha. Like, yeah. is it like any requisites of piety or like? Uh, yes, you should be. You should have a basic taqwa basic and avoid the major sins because, although dream interpreter is, it's learned but it's also inspired. Mm. It's inspired. Then that inspiration is what will show you why it means what it means. Mm. Like the hadith scholars that say, I could tell it's not a hadith of the mm. prophet, but he he may tell that, but because of the purity of his heart, but he has to tell you why. Right. We're not going to make taqlid of you. You have to tell us why the Senate is not right. Okay. All right. Let's see. In terms of dreams, what does a snake mean? A snake oftentimes means, oftentimes means a hidden enemy. Okay. A snake 
in your bed means a hidden enemy in your very close to you in your family. A snake in your home means a hidden enemy in your family. So snake and the home, that's the second symbol. And then did you kill it? That's your adhkar and your actions, stopping them. Okay. What does a dog mean in a dream? Sometimes a dog is ourselves. It depends what the dog is doing. Is the dog guarding you or biting you? If it's biting you, it's your sins. If the dog is attacking you, it's your sins. Okay. If the dog is protecting you, that's a good ally. If a dog is keeping you company, that's a friend. Right? Things like that. You have to it has to be based upon other symbols. <sighs> Strangest 14 is the time of acceptance on Friday during Dhuhr for women who pray at home. It could be, and it could be right before Maghrib. Inshallah, that hour before Maghrib. Ramsha says, this may be a bit specific, but what does seeing the Kaaba during Hajj in your dream mean? The Kaaba is one of the, it could be the Imam of the time. It could be the husband, right? It could be, it could mean um, the Khalifa of the Muslims. It could symbolize the Ummah, the status of the Ummah. Right? So what you see around the Kaaba may reflect the Ummah, things like that. So it depends on the other signs in the dream. Well, it could be also like a premonition of like. It could be a prem, It could be a sign of Shadowing. that you you uh, bishara that you'll go to Hajj. It could be. Inshallah. So if you don't know and you don't have access to a dream interpreter, can you just say, okay, this is a good sign for me, Inshallah? Like, can you just interpret it? Like, say, if you don't know anyone who can interpret yeah. it, if you don't know anyone interpret yeah. it, you could just. Hold it to assume something good right. because you're allowed to assume something good anyway. Right, right? exactly. So there's no harm there. Madiha uh, says, if apparent evil in dream could have a positive interpretation, is the opposite also true? Where light or prayer in a dream could mean something not good. Uh, light and prayer tend to mean something good. There's an exception. Are you praying properly? Prayer to the wrong qibla means I'm trying to be pious but I'm going to the wrong place to be pious, right? I'm not being pious correctly. Prayer in a masjid that you shouldn't pray in, let's say the masjid of a sect, that means there is something wrong with your dua, right? Or your ibadah in general. So prayer that is not complete, like I prayed half of dhuhr, that means you're yet incomplete in your deen. You're getting there, but you're incomplete. Prayer backwards, sujood before ruku'ah, something wrong in your aqidah or your fiqh or your deen. Something's wrong. So the prayer does symbolize religion, but you have to look at the nature of the prayer. The mistakes in the prayer could mean that. Okay? So that's one of the things. But other things are always good. Masajid are always good. Right? Things like that. A magician uh, or magic moment says, thank you for answering that. My ego liked that you said it was a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes to be praised is acceptable. You should like to be praised if it's a good quality. Someone says uh, to a person, a good job on, uh, you prayed well or whatever. You say, oh, that's good because praying is a good thing, right? As long as it comes after the fact, not you prayed so that you could be praised. You see the difference? Okay, Mauro Blanco says that Alexander the Great was also from Alphabet Soup. I didn't know that. Alphabet Soup? Well, a lot of these interpretations come later. 
Yeah, um, I would question these type of because they say everyone because they really want to. They want you got to think of what's your effect. They want to say that these this type of masia has always existed, and because of that, like what they'll do is they work their way backwards. It's yeah. the opposite of ijtihad, mm. where they come up with their conclusion and now they look for arguments to support it, so that they can create the argument that it's always been there. That but people are you don't think that if Alexander the Great was part of alphabet soup yeah. then it would have been normalized because you know who does he have to answer exactly you know he can you know he can make it law and he yeah. can make it aqidah yeah. that it's perfectly permissible that's true but why didn't he do that yeah they want they're, they're trying to create a history for alphabet yeah. soup. hasib maddox says how do we deal with divorce in the u.s you need to do it islamically but you also should get the terms of the divorce if there's money to be paid for a child or something like that and custody you should get that court ordered Okay, uh, dreaming about bathrooms and toilets. Is it from shaitan? Not necessarily at all. Toilet sometimes is a great dream. Qada al-haja, fulfillment of your needs. Going to the bathroom could mean sins that are done in private. If you washed yourself, then you're purifying yourself from your sins. So if you see yourself in private, you go to the bathroom and then you wash yourself. Okay. If the bathroom is disgusting, it's sins. Then tawbah. Then the washing is tawbah. But if going to the bathroom was relief, it's qada' hajat, fulfillment of needs. It's a good thing, right? If the bathroom was done in public and an embarrassment, that means be careful that you don't fall into public sins in front of people to be humiliated. Okay? The toilet is not, is, is, is not always a bad thing, as we, we think it's disgusting, but it's not. Um, how long can you delay hajj? Not necessarily should delay Hajj. Uh, uh, if you have the means, you shouldn't delay Hajj there. Okay, let's see some other questions here. From we we been ignoring the face, Facebook. Feiruz, Feiruz, yeah. Yesterday he spoke about engagements. Is this before the nikah or, or between the nikah and the walima? It's before nikah. Engagement is simply saying, me and her have agreed to get married. We'll marry when we want to. But we have agreed that we will marry. That disallows now any woman, another man from proposing to her. That's what it, the purpose of engagement is. The other purpose of engagement is to now get to know each other. Okay. Seeing dead family members in a dream and one was giving me a cloth to cover my body, is that something good or bad? Yes, it's good. That's a good dream. Usually they say that um, the dead do not lie in dreams. They cannot lie because they're in the barzakh. Okay. And he was giving me a cloth. What does that mean? That means sitr. Maybe something that this person taught you in the past mm. is going to be a cause for you to avoid public humiliation. That's one of the possible meanings of that. Or he's advising you, cover your sins. Okay. Or he's advising you, cover your private, uh, your private matters. Don't talk about your private matters to other people. It could mean all those different things based on your situation. The Wobbler says, is there any prohibition on growing a mustache? No, it's, it's, it's discouraged to be have a mustache and no beard because that's the way of the pagans and the Persians. That's a Persian habit. A couple more questions only, then we wrap up. I'm really working on being present. Please, can you make dua? I progress. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strengthen you in, in being able to focus and ignore all distractions. You keep working on it 10 minutes at a time, 15 minutes at a time, you get good at it. Do children suffer because of their parents' sins? They could, of course. If a parent gives away all his money, doesn't the kid go hungry? 
Yes. So if a, if a parent commits zina and the iman is gone, isn't that kid going to suffer now? Because the parent doesn't have iman. He's not going to raise the kid upon iman. Right? How is he going to transmit iman he doesn't have? So yes, they can suffer by, your, by all your actions. All your positive or negative actions will trickle down. The, the moral guilt will not trickle down. They're not guilty, but they can suffer for sure. Is Sadr the only way to pray in the Madiki Madhab? It is the Mashhur opinion, whereas the Qabad is a lesser opinion. It's considered Makruh in the Mashhur opinion. Uh, 21 Nur, I'm holding a grudge against someone because they never apologized for hurting me. Life has moved on. Is this a spiritual sickness? No. I don't, it's not a spiritual sickness in the sense that you want justice. You are allowed to want justice. I'm holding on to this. Am I cursing him? No. Am I doing haram? No, I'm not doing haram. I'm just unhappy. I want justice for this. You're in the full right to want justice. After the battle of Badr, Allah says, He cures the hearts of believing people, which means that those Sahaba were carrying inside of themselves a lot of anger towards the people who harmed them. This idea that let's just let it all go, it's good for you, but it's not necessary because you may want justice. Right, And I'm hurt by this. But what I would advise you is that you can want justice, but try to not let this past event dominate your mind. Because it's not going to be good for you. You can still want justice. Technically speaking, if I see this person, we're not all buddies and friends until I get my apology. Right? Mm. But for you, as a personal advice, at your own spiritual or emotional level, to not allow... An event in the past and a person who has to dominate your mind and your heart. It's not good for you. You're not going to enjoy life. But for you, definitely, I'm not going to be buddies with this person until he apologizes. You have all the right for that. Yeah. You have 100% right. <sighs> Sadiq says, I know you did a podcast with Sheikh Yusuf bin Sadiq about the Hanbali Fiqh and Aqidah. Could you do an IG stream on the difference between Atharis and Salafis? Yeah, we could. But the, and these terms are so hard to determine. Defined because what's the what's is there a book of Athari, the final say on the Athari madhab? Is there the final say on the Salafi madhab? Bin Baz differs from Bin Uthaymin, differs from Albani, who's on his own thing, differs from everybody, right? They all differ. What is the best modern day Kalam scholar outside Sheikh Foda? It's gonna be Hamza al Bakri. What could a tiger be in your dream in your home? The tiger and the lion and all of those if they're growling and scaring you and attacking or are they silent the silent tiger or lion in a dream means a powerful man that you don't that you can trust if he's attacking you right that's a, a, a harm a powerful man that can harm you that's the difference what is being chased in a dream mean being chased, what I know, Allah Adam, tends to be from the fears of the nafs, from the speech of oneself. You're afraid of something. That's oftentimes, it's not necessarily from the true symbols. It's oftentimes, it could be your being um, uh, thinking about something, upset about something. It's a reflection of your psychology at that moment. What does it mean when you think you see the Prophet ﷺ from far, but you see him walking away from a crowd and you can't see, seem to reach that crowd? It could possibly mean, Wallahu ta'ala alam, is that uh, 
you're getting there in following the sunnah. The Prophet there being a symbol of the sunnah. And you're getting there, but you haven't. And it may be that group of people, they're leaving the sunnah. Mm-hmm. So the sunnah is leaving them. Mm-hmm. So, how much of Dalai al should we recite per day? Usually they recite one portion, whatever that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or his one, his two, three, and four. They read that. All right, let's stop here. Okay. Poor Nuh Yahya can't any longer eat alphabet soup because of how we talked about alphabet soup. Uh, what What does a dream of Dajjal coming to your hometown mean? It means, Wallahu ta'ala alam, that the, the evils, the ills of sins and everything that is darkness is now apparent and in public. So it may have always been there, but now it's in the public. And that's, a different, that's what the Dajjal is. He's the sign that all the ills are now open in the public as opposed to hidden. In the past, the sins are always hidden, right? We've always had sins. There's always been bad things. But the meaning of Dajjal, now it's open and it's praised. That's the meaning of it, of the Dajjal, the concept of the Dajjal. All right, we have to stop here, unfortunately. I wish we could keep going, but today is a long day of classes. We got... Okay. Is it a student for, for Qur'an? Is it more appropriate to please if you want to please so that you can get Allah's forgiveness? You Forgive other people so Allah can forgive you? Yes. Okay, so let's stop here, inshallah, because we got youth class at 6 o'clock, me and Ryan. Then we got Madiki Fiqh. If you want to join Madiki Fiqh, join us at Arcview. Sign up now for Arcview Basic. Madiki Fiqh is at what, 7.15, Ryan? Yes. All the way to Maghrib. 7.10 to Maghrib. After Maghrib is readings in Tafsir. Right? So we got, after this stream, three hours of classes. Then Ryan's going to run back here to attend. Our seminary has started our Ma'had, we call it. Our Ma'had is in this studio, in the back of the studio. And it's today going to be Sheikh Nassar talking about, he's going to be reading the Arabic of Fiqh Sira by Sheikh Sayyid al Bulti. What did Sheikh Harun do yesterday? Or was this orientation yesterday? Okay, good. Good, good, very good. Oh, he started Tahawiyah. That's yeah, good. Like first, Excellent job. First line. Alhamdulillah. Wonderful. All right, good, folks. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-lazina amanu. Wa aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum. Wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.